We are at a point in time now where you have to ask yourself, is the government lying to me? Is the media lying to me? And when you realize that they can and both will lie to you, the entire world opens up to you. Unfortunately, though, John Strand, you got caught up in the middle of this, and now you face 23 years. What happens if they give you 20 years? Yeah, well, and what I noticed, uh, especially going through the process of the trial that I went through and the jury selection, the, the jury – of course, is in D.C., and that's an inherent problem. It's it's a constitutional violation that will be appealing uh, for my charges. But it, it's not just that the citizens, um, the people in D.C., believe the government lies, and therefore they were duped into convicting me. That's not what happened, right? These people hate me. Um, they've wow. been taught to hate me because they I, I have been painted with the MAGA paintbrush. So th they have been they have been brainwashed into understanding that anyone painted with that MAGA red color um, is evil. Um, and, and again, history is what we should pay attention to because it will teach us where we're going. So if you look back at Nazi Germany, um, they didn't just wake up one day and destroy all of the Jews in one shot. They went through a process of teaching people, their citizens, that certain kinds of people weren't good or, or weren't approved or, or weren't uh, smart enough or important enough or moral enough. Uh, and they defined them as less than human. Right. That process took time, but over time they were dehumanized and then people justified d killing and destroying them. That's what's happening in America right now. Conservatives, well, or I, I don't even like that term really, but you know, people who are painted by the mainstream media and a weaponized government as insurrectionists and MAGA extremists and all this other ridiculous nonsense, um, basically because we are not going to be bullied out of understanding our rights and, and the constitution that's supposed to protect them. But they're painting us in this terminology to dehumanize us and to allow people to feel justified in hating us and destroying us. And that's what's happening. And that is what happened with that jury in Washington, DC. Those people hated me and they couldn't wait to condemn me and convict me and send me to prison. It was, it was well, quite obvious. Grant, my, uh, my intention, my passion is to try to reach people and touch their hearts with the severity of what's going on, not just for my own sake, but for their sake, because it's going to come to them. It's going to be you next. If, if, if we don't step up to the plate and unite together, I want to jump right in to uh, our guest for this podcast on Stinchfield because it is such an important topic. And the political persecution of American patriots is sickening to watch what's happening to the J6 defendants. Of course, I'm talking about January 6th. The Democrats, the left wants to call it an insurrection. Uh, I want to call it our Boston Tea Party of our time. To me, that's what it amounted to. Uh, and with that, I want to bring in John Strand. He is a defendant. He's facing upwards of how many years, John? 23 at last count. Facing up to 23 years uh, for basically walking into the Capitol while he was doing his job as right. paid security. So, uh, John, first off, welcome to the program. Grant, thanks for having me on. It's always an honor and a pleasure. Uh, first off, your sentencing was supposed to happen in, in just a, a week or two from now. Uh, Actually, today. Today. Okay. So that's pushed off. Tell me about that. Just heard from my defense attorney that we were able to get a continuance and delay the sentencing 
that was necessary for a number of reasons, one of which my attorney had a medical emergency and his schedule was uh, changed because of that. Uh, but we also, we understand that um, the, the narrative around J6 is one that has been very carefully and strategically constructed by the government and the mainstream media, but I repeat myself, and uh, it, it's a false narrative. It's a very dangerous narrative. And, and every day that goes by, the truth is leaking out through the cracks. And so we're, we're hoping to, the, to continue having the truth expanded so, and uh, reach more people. I, I think it's important to get to your story first, and then we'll talk about why you're glad. Boy, I'm one of these guys. I like things over. I like them behind me. I just want to know. But uh, right. you said this is a good thing, that it's put off, that there's more time to, to figure out or for you to have uncertainty about your fate. But I want to talk about your case first, because you were working as security for Simone Gold, the great doctor for America Frontline Doctors. And yes. uh, tell me about how that day started and your story here. So my story is it's kind of interesting. Before I ever met Dr. Gold and was working for America's Frontline Doctors, I was first uh, doing my own life and my own job in Los Angeles and California. I've been a model and an actor for many years, and I was pursuing that. But in 2020, when the world turned upside down and essentially the, the government said, you're not allowed to live your life or, or go work your job or go to church or anything else, uh, I realized things were very grave. And uh, I, I just felt called by God, honestly, to take some some really definitive and bold action. And for me, that just meant getting out onto the street, which is normally something I wouldn't want to do uh, in that sense. But it was necessary at the time. So I helped to lead a really um, uh, important rally, Beverly Hills Freedom Rally in Los Angeles, that eventually grew to four and five thousand people per weekend. They were streaming in from all over the state and even all over the country. Uh, President Trump retweeted that rally. Uh, right before his uh, reelection, and um, it, it was it was a really important um, effort to bring people of all faiths, all nationalities, races, and creeds together around one central belief, and that is liberty. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was doing with my life in 2020, and that's how I met Dr. Gold and started working for America's Frontline Doctors, which is also a really important organization that is championing human rights and civil liberties. Well, um, it's amazing, John, just to let you, I mean, this podcast, the shows that I do, whether it's radio, TV, there's two real front issues, front and center. One is the, the, the China virus and the scheme and scam that was perpetrated on America to control us. Right. And the other is January 6th. These are two stories that really, if you fell on the wrong side with Democrats in power, you were going to be persecuted for however you felt. You, unfortunately, now were in in both of these situations, right on the front lines, no pun intended, working with America's frontline doctors. Exactly. And and I'm glad you I'm glad you noted the uh, the pattern there, the parallel. Um, This is really important for people to understand that this keeps happening again and again, and it's going to happen again uh, if we don't deal with it. So. Uh, the, it's so important to have open eyes and a independent mind that you control your own mind and think to observe what's going on around you and understand what's really happening. Uh, so yeah, because I was engaged in that effort to um, contend for civil liberties and um, and help uh, champion the, the the idea of of real facts and real truth, uh, which is it's continually being suppressed. Um, the censorship. That's happening in every direction. You know, with Twitter files, we're seeing that start to be exposed. But it's it's been a long time coming, and it's 
it's suffocating information in every way that we can think of. So fighting against that um, led me to America's Frontline Doctors. And then when we were in January, when, when we were in Washington, D.C., um, most people, of course, were going to D.C. on J6 for the rally specifically related to the um, Stop the Steal campaign that was launched by my friend Ali Alexander and a lot of patriots that were passionate about pri uh, putting the pressure on to achieve election integrity, which is an incredibly important issue, one that I am very passionate about as well. But I wasn't actually in Washington, D.C. or even on the East Coast for that rally. I was actually on the East Coast for a you know, eight or 10 day speaking tour that Dr. Simone Gold was on uh, spreading her message of medical freedom and breaking through the lies about the coronavirus pandemonium, as I like to call it. Right. And so that's why we were on the East Coast. We first were at an event uh, that Vice President at the time, Mike Pence, gave an address uh, saying that he was going to hold the line. Uh, which was really interesting. So he seemed very committed to the idea that the election wasn't fair and honest and that they wanted to bring accountability to that. So we we were glad to hear that. Um, but again, that's not why we were in Washington, D.C. on on January 5th and 6th. On January 5th, Dr. Gold gave an address at Freedom Plaza to I, probably close to 10,000 people, really strong crowd. It was a great event. Uh, and then she was going to repeat that same message, but to a uh, assumedly much larger audience the next day. So that's what brought us to D.C. on J6. We were at the Ellipse in the morning where hundreds of thousands of people had gathered. It was the most enormous crowd I've ever seen in my entire life. And uh, and then we were making our way from the Ellipse towards the Capitol in the afternoon in order to reach the assigned location for a speech that Dr. Gold had been scheduled weeks in advance to give uh, for a rally that had a government approved permit. Yeah. So uh, and you were at... President Trump's speech mm -hmm. earlier and then had to leave earlier because you had to get to this speech for Simone Gold, where you were right. working as security for her, for the doctor. So you were actually at President Trump's speech. I mean, it's been clear. I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. He, he, he never told anyone to storm the Capitol there, did he? <laughs> it's, the things that they say, man, it, it they're so crazy that if you didn't know your own mind better, you'd think maybe he actually did say that. And I'm just forgetting. It's it's so preposterous, the things that they say. Um, I just saw Hakeem Jeffries, you know, in Congress post something uh, because the new Congress is hopefully trying to get more serious about exposing this fraud and corruption. And they just started a select subcommittee on weaponization of the government against citizens, which is, of course, what we're going to be discussing here in a minute. And he, he mentioned, um, you know, MAGA Republicans are trying to form a committee to protect insurrectionists or something like that. <laughs> now, mind you, this isn't even just some, you know, irresponsible talking head on a news show. This is Hakeem Jeffries, one of the leading Democrats in Congress. Yeah. And he's Democrats still calling won. us insurrectionists. That's actually, uh, that's legally incorrect. It's, it's factually incorrect. It's not true. Well, he's just let, lying. Let me ask you this. And I want to get to your actual story of what happened, mm -hmm. but you were never charged with insurrection. Were you? No. In fact, I don't believe any J6 defendant has been charged with insurrection. I'm uh, quite sure I they haven't. can't find it. There was one, I believe, charged with seditious behavior, something like that, but uh, nobody with insurrection. So you make your way to the Capitol. I want to get into that in, in one moment. So we're talking about you making your way to the Capitol after hearing President Trump's speech. You get there. The speech is now obviously 
canceled. Take me through what happens as things start to unfold where you are not quite as bad as they were in other places of the Capitol. Take me through it. Sure. Yeah, it wasn't obvious at the time. It was very confusing and surprising. But we had just gotten to the spot approximately where we thought, okay, where do we go actually do this speech? And then someone in our group said, oh, someone is telling me that it's canceled. And now, mind you, I think the original plan was that it was scheduled for 1 p.m. This was 2 p.m. that we finally got there. The crowd made everything take a long time. But the people were there to hear the speech. Um, and now a speaker and several speakers were coming, but someone says they canceled it. We didn't understand what that meant. And within a few short minutes of sort of collecting our thoughts and figuring out what what is happening, where what is the next step here, um, the crowd kept building in size minute by minute, thousands streaming in every minute from the ellipse coming over to the Capitol, and they shifted towards the steps. And uh, Dr. Gold just saw the crowd moving in that direction and was very determined to try to give her best attempt to address them. Uh, that's what her purpose for being there was. And there was a crowd just basically standing there looking for something to do or listen to. Uh, so she made her best attempt to kind of skirt the edge of the crowd up the steps uh, to a vantage point. There's a balcony on the side there where we thought maybe people could see her. Um, but the crowd was just too large and started packing in and pushing towards the center point where the Columbus doors are located. Um, so within a few minutes, we were basically swallowed up in that crowd. And then we just waited there for a few minutes, essentially trapped against the wall of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it was a big crowd. We were wondering what was going to happen. We thought maybe more uh, law enforcement would come to sort of direct the crowd where to go. We weren't really sure, but most people were just standing there jostling around, um, pretty excited and happy. It, it, it was a positive feeling to the environment. We didn't see anyone attacking anybody. We didn't see or feel violence or anything negative like that until a very distinct moment where it shocked us, like it sounded like a bomb went off and there were flashbangs that went off. And then suddenly the crowd became a lot more afraid, agitated and and, and panicked, quite frankly. Uh, and I could sense that panic was developing. So I became a little bit more focused on protecting Dr. Gold and trying to make sure we could try to find um, egress or an escape route. But there was no escaping the crowd. And we were pressed up in the corner against the building. And eventually, after a few more moments, the doors opened from the inside, which was bizarre. But we thought perhaps they had decided to open the doors to allow people in for whatever reason. There was no communication or uh, advisement of what was happening. So whether we wanted to go in or not, we were pushed in. We would have been trampled to death otherwise. Do you know who opened uh, the doors, John? So I've seen footage of those doors after the fact, and it looks like someone not in a uniform walks up and tries to open the door and is unsuccessful because it's locked. And then he turns back and points up at, you would assume a video camera, but you can't see, but he's pointing up, like way up and he's talking and he's making motions with his hands, but he's talking very specifically to whatever he's pointing at. And then he turns back around and pushes the door and the door pops right open like someone had remotely unlocked it. So that's what it looks like in the video. Anyway, uh, there were also cops and building employees milling around in the building at that time. And then once the doors were opened, myself and Dr. Gold were pushed in with a crowd of, you know, hundreds and then thousands of people behind them just pouring in. And right, uh, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. You come in the door. Yeah. You said there's cops and law enforcement milling about. Anybody yep. starts screaming and yelling. You go out. You're not allowed in here. You go. Nope. go. Never heard that at all. And uh, distinctly remember looking when I first th- 
fell in the door to assess who's in here, what is the situation, is there any um, directive from law enforcement or government officials or whatnot. And I saw them in a few different corners, but they didn't say or anything to us. They didn't make an approach to us. And there were people pouring in behind us. So we just advanced forward towards the public hallway just to try to find a more calm place and assess the situation and figure out how to get out. Which- All right. So up until now, let me just make this clear. We're talking with John Strand. He's a J6 defendant from January 6th. He faces 23 years in prison for entering the Capitol. Uh, a whole host of charges against him, which are just bizarre in nature when you start to go through them. Um, at this point, your only crime is that you were loving freedom. You wanted to be at the Capitol when President Trump was giving his speech. You wanted to, you're there protecting on the clock, by the way, being paid to protect Simone Gold. Is she supposed to give a speech? This is your only crime, that you're, you're there at the Capitol to spread the word of freedom. And, and and I'm there to do my job, which is to protect a scheduled speaker who is spreading the word about giving freedom. Yeah, that's okay. that's the you only thing that happened there. Law enforcement doesn't say anything. What happens? So the first 20 minutes or so was very confusing. And there were people milling about from multiple directions. We could tell after we got inside that the doors we went through were not the only doors that people had entered through. So there were people all over the place in the Capitol. Most of them were just citizens, you know, dressed up in patriotic red, white, and blue, uh, taking selfies and kind of going on a museum tour was essentially what it felt like. Um, We advanced past the um, rotunda into Statuary Hall, past Statuary Hall into another hallway, and then kind of got jammed up with a bunch of people there and couldn't figure out how to exit. Do do you ever feel in danger at this point? Like the crowd is going to just turn and it's the building's going to start burning down. No, not at all. No, it was, it was, it was confusing, uh, a little bit chaotic at times. Um, but most of the time it was actually pretty calm and it was mostly just bizarre. It was uh, kind of surreal, like a flashback to a high school field trip. <laughs> you know? um, and, and there was never any point, you know, people will say, Oh, geez, well, you know, at this point you're there for 20 minutes, you ought to leave the building. But I'm thinking about this. I'm like, okay, it's the people's house. You're allowed in it. It appears that law enforcement opened the doors, and I've seen plenty of pictures where law enforcement opens the doors. You say you're walking by police officers. They're not telling you to go one way or the other. It doesn't feel to me that you'd have any reason to leave. It's government property. It's not like you're not allowed to be there. At least I wouldn't think. Yeah, it it, it very much was confusing from the very beginning. Like I said, we didn't even anticipate being on the steps. But once we were there trying to address the crowd and then just got swallowed up in a crowd, couldn't really move one way or the other, then we didn't know what the crowd was going to do, what police officers might do or, or direct. But there was no direction. The doors just opened and people flooded inside. Once that happened and, you know, we didn't have any choice not to to go inside that I, I wish we could have, uh, you know, I, I wasn't advising Dr. Gold to go inside the building, but we were just flushed in. It was a very, very large crowd of people tightly packed there. And then once we were in, it was simply a matter of trying to assess the situation. Are they allowing us in or are they asking us to leave? If we were to leave, how would we safely get out of the building? Cause we can't All exit right, so the way we came in. So I've got was- to imagine John talking with John Strand, a January 6th uh, defendant who now faces 23 years in prison was convicted of the crime. So uh, I now, at some point, you and Simone Gold or the SWAT team comes in, throws you in handcuffs, arrests you to the floor, you, you're illegally here, you're trespassing, and they take you in a paddy wagon and haul you off. Is that how it goes down? 
I mean, yeah. So it was uh, Martin Luther King Day on January 18th. No, no, so- no, no, no. I mean, in the Capitol. You, oh, in the Capitol. You're obviously insurrectionists, right? You're obviously <laughs> causing so much problems inside the Capitol. I'm what they, they they put you. I mean, I'm kidding, right? They, right? they don't put you in handcuffs there. They no. don't arrest you there. And there were plenty of police officers that could have arrested you there. Correct? Oh, yeah. For instance, if we'd actually done something illegal or if we'd actually attacked somebody or if we'd actually broken an object or anything that might uh, necessitate an arrest or a, an encounter with law enforcement. But our encounter with law enforcement was simply an officer walking up to us and saying, hey, I need you guys to move that direction. And, and once we understood he was, he, that's what he was saying, uh, we, we, we said, yeah, sure, of course. And we right. moved that direction. A couple things just to get out of the way. You break any property. Zero. You bust any windows. Zero. Did you attack any police officers? Zero. Did you throw anything at them? Zero. What, so, so, and ultimately you leave, right? I guess. Is that when the, when the officers asked us to leave, we left. I mean, they, they didn't ask us for a while because it took a while for them to organize the situation and find safe exits for people because there were a lot of people there. Um, but when the police officers were able to come to where we were and and uh, identify that there was room uh, and that took some time, we were in the building for a total of 48 minutes. Uh, but it, it, it took 20 minutes or so before an officer could even find us and we could find where is the correct place to go. And then, you know, the, the first officer said, head that direction. So we headed that direction. But there were still a lot of people milling around. So then it was another 15 or 20 minutes until an officer came up to us and said, hey, guys, we're asking people to try to actually exit through this door because now there's room. So please make your way there as soon as it's safe to do so. And we say, thank you, officer. We will. And we did. And that's literally what happened. That was January 6th. What day were you arrested? Martin Luther King Day, January 18th. January 18th. So shortly thereafter. And you were charged with what? Five counts. One is a 20-year prison felony for obstruction of justice or obstruction of an official proceeding is what they call it. But it's uh, it's federal code 1512, which if you look that up in the legal library online, the title of it is actually witness tampering. Uh, I don't see how you tampered with any, any witness. Now, the worst part of this is you're convicted by a jury. I want to get into that in a moment. But um, our next sponsor here actually fits into this program very, very well. Um, Jake Lang is a fellow J6er, and he has uh, started a legal fund called J6legal.org. Um, Jake Lang has been persecuted uh, to the point that you cannot believe. I mean, he has been wrongfully arrested on January 6th, and uh, now he's looking for your support. Um, Jake Lang put this together. Let me play it for you. You've heard and seen the raw, uncut truth about the brave men and women, patriots that were wrongfully arrested on January 6th by the tyrannical Biden regime and corrupt DOJ. But with your support, Jake Lang and all the January Sixers can find justice. Here is his message. Hello, my name is Jake Lang. I'm a January 6th political prisoner who has been held in solitary confinement for over 21 months by the Biden tyrannical regime. I'm not going to lie to you. The need is great. The corrupt DOJ and wicked FBI have doubled down on hundreds of innocent J6 patriots and pushed for harsh prison sentences of up to 10 years. We are putting together a legal fund 
that can help out the January Sixers, and we need your support. Please go to j6legal.org right now and give from your heart whatever God tells you to. We need your support. The need is great. The time to donate is now. Thank you, and God bless you. Okay, so you heard him there. Go to j6legal.org, j6legal.org. All right, we're talking with John Strand. He is another J6 defendant. Um, I guess you don't even call you a defendant anymore now because you've been convicted. You're just awaiting sentencing, which was supposed to be today. Now it's being pushed off until May. But let's go back to the trial. How in the world are you convicted on obstructing a, a legal or official proceeding what were the other charges? There was what five else? charges. One was the 20 year felony uh, for obstruction of an official proceeding. And then there were four misdemeanor charges, uh, disorderly um, or um, yeah, d- disorderly uh, demonstration in a in a federal building, disorderly in a in the Capitol building. Okay. Uh, and then there was a picketing or parading charge. And then there was an entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds. Even though you left when every officer asked you to leave. And I imagine of the 14,000 hours of video, there's got to be video someplace out there of you guys leaving when being asked to leave, I would assume. Yeah, there's video of everything. Uh, There's a lot of video that they're hiding. Um, There, you know, there's, I don't know how many hundreds of cameras in that building and they're all taking video all the time. So there's really not very much at all, as in nothing, that you can't determine exactly what happened when by who, if you really want to know. But All right. the government clearly only wants you to know what they want you to know. So. Let, let me explain this. Now, Simone Gold, who's at your side the whole time, right. the well-known patriot doctor of America's frontline doctors, who you're working for security as, yes. uh, as her security detail, she takes a plea deal. So you guys are basically charged with the same thing. Right. Same thing. She takes a plea deal and gets what? Uh, The plea deal was to accept one misdemeanor, which has a potential max sentence of 12 months or a year prison. And she was actually sentenced to 60 days or two months of prison, which is unheard of for a first time nonviolent misdemeanor charge. So even that two months is really absurd in the context Will she have to law. serve the 60 days? She has already served it. She has already served it. Okay. So this is literally absurd when you think about the Black Lives Matter goons that are burning down auto zones and getting away with it scot-free. You have people that are literally running down Christmas parade goers that get a bond hearing in 48 hours. I've talked to other J6 defendants who, who are in now going on two years and never even had a bond hearing. And we you'd see that on a previous episode of this podcast. Just go back and, and check that out and hear his story. Um, so she gets 60 days. You now face 23 years. You refuse to take a plea deal. Correct. Do you reg- you take it all the way to trial? Is your lawyer saying, do not do this? Yes. So what happens? <laughs> yes, yes my lawyer was. was saying, don't do this. Dr. Gold was saying, don't do this. My parents were saying, don't do this. Um, everyone was suggesting you should probably just take the one month or two months or three months and call it a day and move on with your life. And that's understandable. Um, But Grant, I really want you to understand, I really want people to understand that uh, there is something in life that's more important than just getting by. There's something in in life that's more important um, than keeping yourself comfortable or clean around the edges uh, or or whatnot. 
Um, for me, the most important thing is standing on what I know is right and not allowing anyone to intimidate me or threaten me or punish me into backing off of what I know is right out of fear or a desire to alleviate pain or any other reason. If I know that something is right, I believe God has called me to stand for that. Uh, and that's, that's what I'm doing in this situation, especially because I've seen so much uh, damage, so much pain and hardship uh, against innocent people who have been victimized by a runaway freight train of a government totally weaponized against its own citizens. And I can see where this is going. I've, I've, I've read enough history to understand the way that tyrannical governments work. Uh, and it's not going to get better by taking deals. It's, it's just not. So the, the, the plea deal from the government was fraudulent because I'm innocent. Legally and morally, I am completely innocent of every charge. Uh, I've very carefully and meticulously gone through everything that I did that day and, and uh, reviewed it from a legal perspective. And I am confident that I am legally innocent. And that's why I refused the plea deal, because the plea deal would have been a lie. And uh, well, I, I, I'm not willing to lie. This is what I talk about being bold. And now sometimes it means being bold to your own detriment. I'm not sure I could have done it. Uh, you are a bigger man than most people to stand up for what you believe in in this way to sacrifice what could be your life in the end if they give you 23 years. I can't imagine that they give you 23 years. If they do, the outrage, just how wrong this nation is, uh, is about literally as bad as it gets. We have fallen so far if, uh, you know, the story that you've told me is true. And I believe it is. And the reason why I believe it is, John Strand, is because I've gone through literally hours upon hours of this footage in my time covering this story. Right. I've talked to people like Gary McBride, who, who's just an independent, everyday guy, a fellow Texan, who's gone through 14,000 hours of video on his own to document all this stuff. And everything you say is backed up on video. Right. And yet a jury convicts you because they believe the government. We are at a point in time now where you have to ask yourself, is the government lying to me? Is the media lying to me? And when you realize that they can and both will lie to you, the entire world opens up to you. Unfortunately, though, John Strand, you got caught up in the middle of this, and now you face 23 years. What happens if they give you 20 years? Yeah, well, and what I noticed, uh, especially going through the process of the trial that I went through and the jury selection, the, the jury – of course, is in D.C., and that's an inherent problem. It's, it's a constitutional violation that will be appealing uh, for my charges. But it, it's not just that the citizens, um, the people in D.C., believe the government lies, and therefore they were duped into convicting me. That's not what happened, right? These people hate me. Um, they've wow. been taught to hate me because they, I, I have been painted with the MAGA paintbrush. So th they have been they have been brainwashed into understanding that anyone painted with that MAGA red color um, is evil. Um, and, and again, history is what we should pay attention to because it will teach us where we're going. So if you look back at Nazi Germany, um, they didn't just wake up one day and destroy all of the Jews in one shot. They went through a process of teaching people, their citizens, that certain kinds of people weren't good or, or weren't approved or, or weren't uh, smart enough or important enough or moral enough. Uh, and they defined them as less than human. Right. 
that process took time, but over time they were dehumanized and then people justified killing and destroying them. That's what's happening in America right now. Conservatives, well, or I, I don't even like that term really, but you know, people who are painted by the mainstream media and a weaponized government as insurrectionists and MAGA extremists and all this other ridiculous nonsense, um, basically because we are not going to be bullied out of understanding our rights and, and the constitution that's supposed to protect them. But they're painting us in this terminology to dehumanize us and to allow people to feel justified in hating us and destroying us. And that's what's happening. And that is what happened with that jury in Washington, DC. Those people hated me and they couldn't wait to condemn me and convict me and send me to prison. It was, it was well, quite obvious. I, I want you to know that it's not just you that they hated. Uh, and I know you probably don't take any solace in this, but you're amongst good company. They hate me. They hate everybody listening or watching this program. They hate anybody that believes in the things you will, you just described. So in my opinion, you're in very good company with the people that they hate. And you know that, and I know that, but I know you don't take any solace in that now as you now face literally the prospect of sending, spending much of your adult life in prison. Yeah, it's, it is a really serious, uh, situation. It, it's a very grave situation. And I don't make light of it. Obviously, I don't take it lightly. But Grant, my, uh, my intention, my passion is to try to reach people and touch their hearts with the severity of what's going on, not just for my own sake, but for their sake, because it's going to come to them. It's going to be you next. If, if, if we don't step up to the plate and unite together, like you said, we're in good company when we realize that we are given inalienable rights by God, that we have control over our own bodies, our own minds, our own mouths to speak the truth. And that if we allow governments to chip away at that, to gaslight us and change language and allow people to be defined as subhuman because they're MAGA extremists and all of this other deceptive, ridiculous um woke witchcraft is what I like to call it. It's totally playing with people's minds and, and inverting reality. If we allow that reality to be inverted, uh, the, then the ground we stand on is shaky and it will fall and we will all fall. It won't just be me facing 20 years in prison because I was providing security for a scheduled speaker uh, at a freedom rally. I mean, it, it, it'll be you, so, it'll be everyone. So I, I want to ask you before I let you go about the prosecutor um, and I, well, I got some questions about I'm glad you brought that up. All right. So John Strandis, who we're talking with, he is a J6 defendant, faces 23 years, convicted of five charges uh, that amounts to gobbledygook and, and is all a bunch of bullshit, quite frankly, um, but now faces 23 years. The prosecutor in this case, I'm curious. Um, I know he's going to argue to get, give you a ton of time, so I don't know if I really want to put you in the position to speak ill of him, but do you think he was genuine? Like, does he look at you, John, and be like, you know what? I know this guy probably doesn't deserve 20 years. I know this guy doesn't deserve a week. Well, the, it's uh, it's not the prosecutor who determines the sentence. That's the judge. Um, and Understood. But they're the ones that are fighting that fight against you. They're the ones yes. laying out the case against you, and they can have great discretion with the judge because he's either going to buy their argument or they're not, right? Yeah, so I'll speak to the prosecutor because um, it's it's very interesting. the The prosecutor was notably dishonest. Um, it was 
honestly shocking. And, and I was expecting them to be dishonest <laughs> um, because I know I'm completely innocent and they were trying to make this really strong case that I'm leading a charge of insurrection and trying to attack the government and destroy democracy and all this other ridiculous hyperbole. But um, it, the, the trial itself, the, the prosecutors, a number of things they did, but I'll give you one example that really just nails it. They, they show a picture to the jury and a picture of me on the steps with my hand like this in a fist. And there's a line of police officers walking down the steps in front of me. And the prosecutor turns to the jury and says, look at how defiant and, and angry this young man is in harassing these police officers who were, you know, brave and trying to protect the Capitol and were, they were so uh, exhausted from all of this uh, assault against them and et cetera, et cetera. Then he keeps moving on to make whatever his next point was. The picture he showed was a freeze frame of a video, which my defense attorney later played the whole video, unpause it in other words, right? And if you watch it from start to finish, what you'll see is that I and other patriots around me were standing there clapping as the police officers made their way down the steps because they had finally finished their tour and were, were there was space for them to leave. And so they were exiting and we were applauding them in gratitude and praising their efforts of restoring order to the day because it was a rally that had got out of control and there were times where it was chaotic. And so how did your hand get up here? Uh, because I was, I was clapping for them. And then at one point I, I went like this, great job guys. And then kept clapping. But they freeze framed it like this and told the jury that I was, um, you know, essentially evil and angry and trying to hate on the on the police John, officers who I was literally praising, thanking and encouraging. This is my biggest problem with the Justice Department today is that a prosecutor's job is to seek justice. Right. And if the case leads you down a path that the person you're charged with something is not guilty, then it is the prosecutor's duty to admit that and recommend that the charges be dropped. It's the prosecutor's job to make sure that justice is served by the evidence is played out in its entirety, not Correct. one little snippet to trick the mind into thinking one thing that's happening. That's not another look. I was a right. journalist in mainstream media for a long time. Now I would do an interview like this for the 10 o'clock news. And I might interview somebody for 40 minutes. Now I can't put 40 minute interview on the, on the news at 10 o'clock. My task was, and I learned this in journalism school from teachers who used to know what journalism was. Right. My task was to capture the essence of the interview. Right. If I could capture the essence of the interview in 10 seconds or two minutes, well, then that was my job to capture the essence of the interview. It should be the same thing in court. Capture the essence of what happened that day and then let the chips fall where they may. They didn't capture the essence of that moment of you on the courthouse steps. What they did was they captured one moment to paint you as an insurrectionist when really you were a cop lover who was supporting them. Right. Completely dishonest. They they completely inverted the reality of what was happening in order to achieve their agenda. And like you said, you are absolutely correct. And it's a very important point. Their agenda was not justice. Their agenda was punishment. Lastly, John Strand, uh, J6 defendant facing 23 years. What's your hope? What's your prayer that before you get to sentencing in May, that what happens 
I mean, you, it's not going to get thrown out before then. I mean, barring some kind of a miracle, what what happens? What's your hope? Uh, my main hope is that people wake up to the truth and start to fight for it. That's my main hope. Um, it, my situation doesn't look very good right now. I understand that, but that's where God's put me. And so I can't control what I can't control. I can only do what God's placed in front of me to do. And that's what I'm going to do. And so I'm going to fight as hard as possible every day to do the right thing and to share the truth with more people and to inspire them and encourage them, urge them to stand up and do what's right in their life. However, they can do that. I will be appealing every charge it's expensive. You guys can support me at johnstrand.com and understand the story of what I'm going through my whole journey. So I obviously am grateful for that. Encourage people to do that. But what I really want to encourage people to do is to call your elected officials and pester them, urge them that, that you will not rest or be silent until they get out of their chairs and take this charge really seriously. Um, we've we've had a couple of Congress people start a select committee to address the weaponization of the government, AKA specifically, they need to investigate the FBI and investigate all the lies and manipulations that have gone on with the J six saga and rally behind J sixers, John Strand and, and Dr. Gold and all of the J sixers, um, Jake Lang, these people, they need America's support and they need America to demand the truth. Demand the truth and nothing less. And remember, we still have almost three dozen of them locked up that have still been locked up now going on two years in some of the most horrible conditions imaginable. Um, John, I'm not going to ask you to comment on the judge because I care about you and I want you to get the best sentence possible if it gets to that point. My only message to the judge would be this. I hope you saw what I hear in that courtroom. I hope you see it and uh, and show mercy to to John Strand. That yeah, I, I appreciate the judge that handled my case. Uh, I, I believe he did his best to conduct a fair courtroom. And um, I, I believe that he heard the message that I gave because I testified myself for four hours um, and gave direct testimony. And uh, I definitely explained who I am as a person, uh, what I did that day and why I did it, what my mindset and intention was behind each decision that I made. And of course, I never actually committed any crime or violence or anything inappropriate other than just provide security to uh, the speaker that I was assigned to. And uh, so hopefully the judge um, heard that and and takes that into consideration. John Strand, give me the website one more time. Johnstrand.com. Johnstrand.com. Buddy, I appreciate it. You keep me posted on this. All right. Absolutely. I will. We'll be praying every day between now and May 2nd and, uh, and we'll continue the efforts for the appeal and to try to bring more truth Um, to the January 6th event and situation overall. So thank you for supporting that, Grant. Absolutely, John. Uh, And and all of you out there, uh, let's all pray together for John and the other defendants who need our prayers right now as this uh, tremendous overreach and and tyranny really is being handed down upon them. Uh, God bless you, brother. God bless all of you out there. Stinchfield's army rolls, man. I'll tell you what, thank you so much as we continue to grow this podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Hit like if you're watching this video Share it everywhere you can. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Rumble, you name it. We are there. Stinchfield, God bless you again, folks. Uh, Jonathan, thank you. Uh, John, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. John Strand, johnstrand.com, johnstrand.com, grantstinchfield.com, grantstinchfield.com. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening. Bye. 
Guys, we have a new guest for the podcast, and I think you're going to have, you're really going to enjoy Sean Farish. Um, He's a, well, he's a Trump impersonator that I discovered on social media, and Debbie and I showed it to Debbie, and the two of us just laughed our heads off. Now, Sean is part of the lineup at LFA TV. He's also the voice behind Captain Deplorable 45. And by the way, that's his website, CaptainDeplorable45.com. You can also follow him at Sean underscore Farish on Twitter, Getter, or Truth Social. Uh, Hey, Sean, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you. Um, You know, uh, we had a we had a guy doing a little bit of Trump impersonation in one of my earlier films, Trump Card. But that guy does not even come close to you in the way you capture. Well, not just the voice, but in a little also the personality of Trump. Let me start by just asking you, how did you sort of get into this? Uh, Because you're so good at it. Do you you practice every day? How did you get started? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here to be speaking to you. And I'm a huge fan of your work. And uh, 2000 Mules, by the way, uh, left me both angered, but uh, but I felt sort of vindicated saying, you know what? We knew this was what went on. And uh, it's unfortunate, but it was incredible. And I can't wait to see what comes of it. As far as how this goes, um, I mean, I was back back in, in, in the 2016 timeframe. I was working. I was selling cable packages. Um, I, it started in a couple of ways. We were bowling actually. And someone threw a strike. And I said, well, that was the greatest throw I think I've ever seen. You knock the pins down like Rosie at an all you buffet. Incredible job. Uh, but then I would be selling these packages. And some of these folks would ask me if the package got Fox News, which is always a great question for me to get, because I would look them dead in the eye. And I would say, excuse me, does that look like, do I look like a person who would take that away from you? And they would immediately want to buy because they said, oh my gosh, you sounded just like Trump. That's great. Also happened to be a weather hobbyist. And, you know, I love to track the weather and all these different storms. And we would get these big snowstorms. That's going to snow. We're going to have the greatest snowflakes bigger than MSNBC. Okay. The greatest that you're going to build a snowman or a snow person too gender specific. And it was so so much fun uh, to be able to incorporate that into everyday things. And then it wound up uh, exploding over TikTok, which I don't like that app, but it helped me become, you know, have some notoriety. Uh, They have since censored the heck out of my account, but that's okay because we have Twitter, which is a free speech platform, and, and Getter and Truth and Rumble, uh, which is playing a huge role in, um, in, keeping, in keeping that whole thing going. And it's just so much fun to be able to bring laughs to people when there's not really that much to laugh about right now. I mean, hey, Sean, are you, I mean, you seriously were censored on TikTok for just doing impersonations? Yeah, I made fun of AOC's boyfriend. I said that he was a white guy wearing sandals or something. I... Uh, yeah, you know, if I if I call Rosie O'Donnell, if I poke a little bit of fun at her weight, they say it's bullying, harassment. As a matter of fact, when Joe Biden fell off the bike, and I said, "Is an old man who's escaped the institution? He fell off a bike. It's incredible." They said bullying and harassment, and then they put it back up after I appealed, and then they took it back down um, because for no reason they didn't give me a reason, but it was shared like seventy five hundred times in two hours, and they just didn't want that getting out, and they just shut it down. Oh, wow. Well, we got to give people a taste of the kind of stuff that you've done. Um, I'm going to have you. Uh, well, I'm going to now I'm now going to address you as Mr. Trump and uh, and ask you to give us a little whiff of your of your routine. So, uh, Mr. Trump, the first thing I want you to do is to uh, to talk about. Well, you're now back. You're, you're allowed back on Twitter. Are you going to be tweeting? And if you do, tell us a little bit about what your first tweet might uh, might be like. Well, I've been thinking long and hard about it, and I was thinking about maybe 
talking to Nancy Pelosi. We say, at Speaker Pelosi, you're fired. And also, Nancy, crazy Nancy, why don't you tell Paul he doesn't look very good in his underwear? Or I might actually go to uh, Rosie O'Donnell at Rosie and say, uh, Rosie, you're still a disgusting animal, both inside and out. But I think the real thing I should tweet is something that drives the world crazy. Nobody knows what it means. I'm going to tweet the big, beautiful word, Kofifi, because nobody knows. And I'm coming back and it's going to be fantastic. Uh, <laughs> very awesome. All right, uh, Mr. Trump, um, over the Christmas holiday, many people are familiar with traditional Christmas songs and rhymes and so on. Um, you seem to have done a little bit of an innovation, not Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but Hunter the White-Nosed Crackhead. So can you give us a little <laughs> preview of what that sounds like? <laughs> well, it goes a little like Hunter the White-Nosed Crackhead. Had a very active nose, like his father, because, you know, he loves to sniff people, right? And if you've seen the laptop, you've seen him shooting up between his toes. All of the Intel swamp rats felt it was their obligation to say that Hunter, the crackhead's laptop, was Russian disinformation. Then one soggy Christmas Eve, the big guy, we know who that is, came to say, Hunter, with your nose so white, go make a deal with your favorite country, China tonight and now the big guy loved him as he shouted out with glee hunter you white-nosed crackhead now you give 10 percent to me and that's what we talk that's what it is <laughs> perfect uh perfect well we just got what we got time for one more uh and this is the, the your your newest one mr trump it's um you were kind enough to share some of your new year's resolutions so tell us about those well, everybody loves to talk about New Year's resolutions and doing something different. I'm a perfect person with perfect phone calls. But I have to say, Rosie O'Donnell, I hear she's going on a diet. She finally figured out that not every carb needs to be eaten. Stacey Abrams is going to the gym because she found out that running a mile may better suit her than running and losing for office both times. But I'm a perfect president with perfect phone calls and perfect taxes. You saw that. A big, beautiful nothing burger. It's the only burger Rosie won't eat. It's a nothing burger. So my resolution is to win more than anybody's ever won before, to make America great again, because the best is yet to come. Believe me. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Really appreciate it, Mr. Trump. Really appreciate it, Sean Farish. Guys, the website, CaptainDeplorable45.com. Sean Farish, thanks very much for joining me. Thank you so much.